0: Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. Don't stop. This is what you with this f- Odyssey. I've guessed it. I've absolutely guessed it. I enjoy this so f- much. Thank you. Thank you. come on in it's another edition of mode push the american view of f1 podcast brought to you by ksl sports ksl podcast alex Curie dan jimenez joining me as always my co-host on the program dan what's up man how are things dude
1: things are good it's like christmas eve We're just the night before the cars really take to the track so yeah. I'm, I'm getting super excited for this season
0: we've been uh I mean, this is the time where I go and just check all the message boards. I go and hang out in way too many places that are F one based. I have found way more F one fans of the last few weeks uh, than I ever thought that we would, and and here we are putting out another episode here. So we have a couple things that we want to do because we want to preview the start of the season. I mean, this is we are in race week here, and and I actually try to do this thing, Dan, too, and maybe you do this. I. I it's like when your birthday's coming up, you just don't do the countdown because then you'll think about it too much. And then suddenly, <laughs> here we are. And the Netflix Drive to Survive series has helped me, like, really kind of get uh, uh, ready for the season. And that we already previewed the first five episodes. And if you want to go back and listen to our our uh, our last um, episode, you can go back and see what we thought of uh, episodes one through five, ending on uh, our Snap Hours uh, trying to figure out what Alpine was going to do, I think the series does a great job, Dan, of going. You know what this team? What what I thought that you? I think you could make an argument that uh, you know these teams get screwed over in one aspect, but then they also end up making uh, away with this thing pretty good. And I guess from a PR standpoint, you got to go. Oh, we've always we made out better with uh, Pierre Gasly than we did than we ever <laughs> could have with uh, Oscar Piastri, uh, and and you know I actually kind of believe it now. When I watch that whole thing, I go, yeah, they might be in a better spot than uh, having Pierre come to the team, the all-French uh, lineup between he and Ocon.
1: Yeah, it's funny how they sell it after the fact. It's like, oh, this was the plan the whole time. But uh, you you could tell that it, that really took Alpine by surprise, and Otmar kind of just got caught uh, with his pants down, per se. And uh, I, But I can see his point when he said, like, I'm just glad that you know I have a driver in the seat that I can trust. Like Maybe we dodged a bullet if if uh, if um, Oscar Piastri is kind of so willing to uh, just kind of look out for himself. I, I mean, in, it was also like Oscar's tone and like just kind oh. of like the the, the kind of attitude he had in the chair. I'm yes. like, dude, who are you? Okay, you're F2 champion, but like you're already rolling into this Netflix uh, um, uh, interview with a, with a Max Verstappen. Like yes,
0: yeah. I, was, I thought the same thing. And now here's the thing too is I've, I've watched enough Mari Povich like when they do those old, like uh, when they do those old things, so they go, now uh, we actually ran this through on a person who is able to read body language and see if you're lying. And when they asked Oscar <laughs> Piastri, like they go, so because I think they did the same thing. They, it. I don't think Oscar Piastri is as much of a, of a, of a tool as it made him look like. Because he
1: definitely seemed like it.
0: <laughs> but I don't think Nick DeVries is either. But they made him, act like, in the whole episode that they did with Yuki and Alpha Tauri, they made yeah. it look like he was like, I must crush Yuki. Like, it was yeah, so yeah. weird. But when they asked Oscar Piastri about the whole thing afterward, they go, so do you regret any of this? He does this nod and then goes, absolutely not. And you're like, dude, I am seen. you know there's a little bit of regret in there. And if it's not regret you know that you were in the wrong at least a little bit. And I don't care what he said. Look, I, I get it. We're all our own agents. You know what I mean? you got to work for mm-hmm. yourself, and you got to find the best place for you. But congrats. You may have gotten more money out of McLaren, but I don't know when McLaren is going to have a competitive car.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I am totally with you on that. I think if, if he wanted to run for podiums, then he should have stayed at Alpine but we'll see how that decision plays out. I just find it interesting that it seems like Netflix is just trying to drum up the new crop of heroes and anti-heroes, you know, heroes and villains. And I think they're like setting up um, both Piastri and DeVries New no uh, bad guys because <laughs> yeah, like Yuki's the good guy. Everybody loves nice. Yuki. Everyone's pulling for Yuki, and then DeVries comes in. He's like, you know, I'm running the show. And I think the same thing with Piastri because it's like you have guys going out of the sport. Like they're using they're losing the star in Daniel Ricardo, and it's like they just have to keep this crop of characters moving and like having a storyline that's engaging. And it's interesting, like the people that they don't really talk about. Like there was like one mes- mention of Sebastian Vettel retiring. In yeah, a- the you whole know, season.
0: Somebody pointed that out, and they were like, dude. Sebastian Vettel gets, like, four and a half seconds of airtime, and most of the time it was when the stars of the other episodes that they were kind of doing were maybe passing him or whatever, you know, on the road. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, what's the deal? How do you not honor this guy? And then there was this part of me, too, that went, yeah, but I bet Seb kind of loves it. Like, he's going –
1: Good he probably doesn't mind
0: don't yeah. bother me in my last season. I don't want to sit down with you guys. in fact, I could see him going I actually don't want to I don't want to let's focus on these new guys I, i'm I've had my time in the chair. It's fine. he seems like a guy who legitimately wouldn't care for that attention. Everybody else wanted to see some sort of some sort of like you know uh you know farewell, but at the same time by the end of the year, I was like okay. Yes, it is his last uh, time racing at Suzuka, just like last week was his last race at this place and this race. Mm-hmm. And so at some point, the farewell tour is fine. I'm more interested in the guys who are going to be in the seats next year too, but um, in terms of the episodes, the ones that like caught my attention, I thought the Daniel, Ricardo one, it's interesting looking back now, looking at the seats that were available, and we I think we kept questioning it all year long, but it was even more so. After that episode, I went – how on earth does a guy like that not have a seat? Because every team just wants a guy who has the ability to win races unless, and has done it before and has, and has a lot of experience and isn't really that old. And teams just seem to be off of Daniel Ricciardo. Is it because he's lost an edge that we're not necessarily seeing?
1: Yeah, I thought, found that interesting too. Because you know, I remember last year us was uh, thinking, like, why does he just go to Haas? And then we heard uh, Gunther Steiner on uh, – you know, one of the, I think on this episode, just saying like, look, he wants 10 million. And I don't know how that compares to what they're paying Nico Hulkenberg. I'm sure we could look it up, but like is 10 million, really that much more than uh, what you're paying Nico to, to get a race winner in the seat. I just feels it felt short-sighted to me for Haas to not go after him. But uh, it, it was interesting. They said like, not even a phone call was made. So right. um, they're
0: notorious. Yeah. cheap Wads. G- the, 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 Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget voice that they gave Gene Haas, it felt like during the scenes was like he was like, Hello, Gene, what should we do? And he's
1: like You must break him. Like it just yeah, turned they, into this. They weird... never show his face. Like <laughs> right. they should just have a like a camera from behind him yes. and he's sitting in a chair.
0: Yes. And and all it made it sound like was that Haas, if it cost fifty dollars, they weren't gonna do it. Which is not the case, but it definitely kind of felt like that because you know, they made a big deal out of uh crashing all the cars, et cetera. And then uh, mm-hmm. the other thing that stood out to me in, 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 some of these episodes, I thought it was interesting. They did spend a full episode on Yuki farting in the car with Pierre and, and uh, oh my gosh. just the whole, like, I thought it was cute. They Romance. made it look like a, yeah. a real positive, like, you know, kind of relationship there. And um, we found out this week, of course, too, when we, uh, earlier in the week, we talked about uh, the possibility of Alpha Tauri, maybe not being a team in the future. And, they put that to bed, or at least for the short term, saying that their stockholders have uh, decided not to sell the team. And I can't believe you would mm-hmm. even talk about it. That was kind of the attitude they gave to it. But um, So they're going to stick around as a team a little bit longer. That was kind of a weird storyline. Um, you know, acting like Checo was less of a driver before he won the Monaco Grand Prix. Like, okay, now he earned his seat. I thought that was a yeah, little that bit was cheap a, too.
1: That was dramatized. Yeah, I didn't I didn't love that setup. And I also feel like they, like, missed the whole story because I felt like the story of the year between those two was – The um, drama that came the, from that race. Yes, the drama that came from that race. And they just kind of glazed over the fact that, like, Sergio crashed on purpose and that Max, Max was pissed about that because he knew he had crashed on purpose and then got him back and – At Interlagos in Brazil as like some sort of retribution, holding them to fourth place or something stupid. I just feel like that was the meat and potatoes of that relationship during the year, and they didn't they didn't touch on at all, which I have to think that maybe with like Max this being kind of he had taken a year or two off from the Netflix thing and now he's back this year and he's doing interviews. Maybe it was just the one his championship year that he didn't do any interviews for Netflix. But he's doing it this year. Maybe they're just like we got to be really cu- careful with Max and Red Bull. We don't want to yeah. piss them off because then they'll just say, "Oh, we're out again." So like we have to like give them uh, a ton of benefit of the doubt uh, when it comes to this and the cost cap. Uh, well, it was probably also. Too.
0: I think it was also probably that. That's interesting because I I didn't think about it from that that angle, but I I did think I bet they had really limited time in the seat with him anyway, and so they go, Mm -hmm. look, we have these maybe one or two. I could see them saying, you get one shot with Max, find your whatever the thing is you're going to ask him and go with that, because then with Checo, it was probably the same thing. I mean, the guy was as busy as Max was. What was interesting, too, is – and you said, uh, I think before we even got on, you're like, yeah, a lot of these episodes were just (laughs) – it was so Red Bull heavy, and yet you didn't really get the sense – and they do this every season – like, they totally hid the fact that uh, Red Bull ran away with this thing and the race for the constructor the constructor's title wasn't even interesting at all.
1: Yeah, it, there was – I don't know if I'll call it revisionist history, but there was a lot of, like, you know, just the way that they jump back and forth chronologically throughout the season. It's yeah. like, oh, like, I thought we already talked about Monaco. Now we're talking about a race before that. Or it was just kind of hard to keep up with um, the timeline. If you, you know, weren't paying attention last year and, you know, you were – watching uh, Netflix to get up to speed on what happened last year, you're just getting a totally different picture than what, how things actually played out. And like you said, they're, they're, they're just making it more uh, dramatic than, than it actually was. Like they didn't even get into um, talking about how the FIA messed up the end of the uh, Japanese, (laughs) not knowing who won the championship, not knowing who was the actual (laughs) champion. Like I think that was another thing is like, we got to make the FIA look good too. So they barely, you know, touched on that. So yeah, it's, I think as like a diehard fan, you watch, Uh, the season summary and it doesn't really feel like a season summary in the traditional sense. It's more of just like, okay, what are some of the, what are some of the uh, mic'd up quotes from the garage area that I didn't hear about last year that, you know, I'd find interesting now that maybe would provide a little bit more color, but it's, there's not really going to be much breaking news coming out of this that you didn't already hear last year. Out of the new
0: guys, you know, I, I look and I go, okay. uh, DeVries, uh piastri like which one really will because i think we put we put a lot of wow the points that that nick Devries scored in that in that uh, weekend with williams that he had which may have been actually just the deciding factor of how he got his seat so decidedly you know quickly into this uh into this season which one of those two guys really does because we heard how scary and talented both of those guys are which is what you tell everybody when you sign up a guy for, you know, with really just what is a shot in the dark, which one really has a chance to make waves in his first year? Um,
1: that's a good question. And maybe, I I put- in,
0: maybe I'm shorting you with, by not saying Logan Sargent <laughs> either, but
1: yeah, I would put my money on uh, Oscar Piastri. I think he's going to be in better equipment than the Alpha Tauri. Uh, and I think his experience from formula two is more applicable than Nick DeVries uh, formula E championship. And uh, I think, just from like the impression i got in those interviews that i just i feel like nick devries coming in with more of a um sense of i don't know not superiority but like that there was that one section or the one part of that episode where they were interviewing him and they said like are you you know what are you going to learn from yuki and he's his response is like i've I, i've i should learn nothing from yuki i right. should do the opposite of whatever he does or I'm paraphrasing, but I right, like, and they yeah, kind of laughed
0: is- it off a little bit. But they actually tried to probably bake that up a little bit more too. Like it was, I must break him. You know, it was, yeah. it was weird. I thought that was funny because, you know, in the end, these guys, it, it, I was shocked actually that Yuki was so that they were so set in their, in him having that seat back again. Mm -hmm. And I was also shocked in the episode that they rolled out for him. They made it look like he scored one point all season. They 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 go (laughs) oh they show that one race and he oh you scored P ten good point. He's like oh it's so good to get a point you know and you're like that's it and they go yeah but just you know uh, Pierre Gasly just he scores a ton of points and Yuki has to figure out how to do that and it was like you know then I had to go back and go oh it was like twenty three points to sixteen points like that's not. Some was it insane difference? difference. Yeah. It was like you've had to make it look like this guy barely got anywhere in this race. Now, Yuki is a freaking wild card. Um, but I will, but I'll tell you, I mean, there's a reason he's in the seat that he is. And you forget how good yeah. those
1: racers all are, by the way, if they're on the grid. Yeah. No, he's fast for sure. I think what he gets his consistency down, which comes with experience, I think he could be, um, like a really great driver. And I'm looking forward to this season to see what now I guess two two seasons, uh full seasons look like versus uh Nick DeVries coming in as a true rookie. Uh I'm interested in looking up the uh the twenty twenty three salaries. Nick DeVries two million, Yuki still at one million. Wow. I so wonder what next... that
0: what is going on with that. What is going on with that? That is like, you know what? The uh Nick DeVries' agent, great job because that Formula E championship Uh, Goes a lot further than I guess uh, anything else would these days. There you go. Yes, yeah. Uh, What was was Nico uh, Hulkenberg's? If you don't mind me asking. uh...
1: (laughs) He's 2 million and K Mag is 5. Ah, so you know what? So compared to the 10 that. um, Maybe that is a lot. uh, They are. Listen,
0: maybe Dr. Claw is a cheapskate after all. We (laughs) we weren't giving him enough credit. I thought it was awesome, like when they showed uh, during, I think it was earlier in the season uh Gunther on like on his uh lake there in in uh, North Carolina I'm like you know what you guys can say whatever you want this dude uh from the Alps loves this little lake situation there in North Carolina yeah, that, There's no- that's
1: actually where I used to live that's Lake Norman oh so my that's gosh. north of yeah so I think the Haas uh shop is in Concord which is where the raw shop was where I worked and yeah everybody uh wants to live on the lake there and uh it's beautiful and I mean it's there's a lot of mosquitoes but if you get over the mosquitoes (laughs) then uh it is it is as nice as it looked uh there on uh on netflix that was awesome uh okay so how
0: much more do toto and christian horner hate each other now after the whole cost cap episode where they're going back and forth with the uh You know, Horner's quick to bust out the FUs and, you know, and not be apologetic. And it's a good year to do it because he's winning the whole thing by 250 points or whatever it was. So at the end of it, do these guys, is there still some professionalism between them? Or, I mean, Toto feels like they they made him out to be this robotic, like, uh, revenge-seeking German, and they might be freaking right.
1: Yeah, I don't think it was. It's too far off from reality. There's just zero love loss between those two guys. I think they keep it professional for most of the time. But as soon as there is an angle that they can attack the other, they're both going straight at them or in the media. And uh, it in, it was kind of coming from all angles uh, for the cost cap stuff. It's interesting to see Horner go after uh, Mattia Bonotto before the Singapore race. I think it was he like stopped like he stopped him there on Park Fermi and was like you know why are you saying these things about us in the media? And Mattia was saying, his response was like, I didn't name your team. I didn't name your team, but it was obviously who he was talking about. Mm. Uh, yeah. I don't think anyone feels bad at all for uh, whatever came to Red Bull and Christian Horner. Yeah. I think there is a bit of us versus them now. Like uh, how many times did we have to hear Christian Horner say the higher you get, the sharper the knives. <laughs> I think they said that about like 20 times. So I'm never going to forget that Christian Horner phrase, but it's it's true. That's you know who got, got the target on their you back. You
0: know who got more episode time than uh than Seb and you know probably half the drivers on the grid was Ginger Spice. Like my she goodness. <laughs> how how much did we have to hear their conversations at the dinner table and on the paddock? She just was like acting like she's the team principal walking around herself. I guess she she probably bosses people around more than we thought. Um I'm I'm looking at this thing and and I'm I'm seeing how the episodes went. I really did like the season though. I wondered though how much it actually brings people in now to the sport or if the new Drive to Survive series is now more catered to people who are already in because there's less of an explanation. You remember how in the old yeah. first two seasons or so it's like it's trying to explain to you how the weekend worked, trying to explain to you the tire compounds Maybe that's not sexy anymore, but I do think that that's a, the kind of stuff that that I, that you miss if you're a new person into F1. That the now just the drama seems a little bit more confusing more than it does anything
1: else. Yeah, I think you're right. It does feel like it's more uh, edited and catered towards the educated fan than it used to be. I, I think it did a great job I, overall. I give it high marks. It got me amped it. for the next season. It was a good refresher on all the major storylines, even if they missed, I think, some of the juicier details they could have gotten into. But I, I thought it was great, timed super well. Like I would say, every other major professional sports league is envious of Drive to Survive and its ability to bring in new fans and hype the base going into the season. That, like we see with, uh, I think there's the full swing documentary on Netflix for for the golf. PGA yeah. and. And um, I think there's a tennis one now, too, that they're trying to replicate it. But I think there's something unique about the the sights and sounds of a Formula One race that you don't get as much with some of these other like stick and ball sports that I think makes it even more engaging. So uh, I think it, it's a great part of the sport and uh, expect it to continue.
0: I'm offended by stick and ball sports.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's... That wasn't a diss. That was just a <laughs> uh, categorical hey, description. That's yeah. fine.
0: I I'm uh, as big a fan of the sticking balls as I am the uh, the wheels. I do love uh, how crazy the technologies come with camera work and just uh, how how awesome it is to watch these things now and and uh, yeah. I don't know if I was convinced by anybody that that you know I I do think that oh speaking of oh my heavens so we're we're we've officially I'm going to say something Dan I have never done any fantasy sport in my life. <laughs> OK, now, really, a, you're, you're, a, I would thought you're a, a big fantasy football guy. I am a sport. I am a sports talk show host is my day job. I don't do it because it's like this thing where I'm like, I talk about freaking football all day. And yeah, you it's a hard know. thing yeah. to explain. Like, I'm talking about more football. Like, and I, I had it pop up. And so our little Twitter group has a uh, <laughs> we have a fantasy and I got right the freaking on there. Yes. Uh, I think yours is pretty easy to find. It was the, uh, Utah Shaggin' wagon, right? I've got
1: the, A- yeah, I've got the AMG Shaggin' wagon. Yeah. So they, they let you build three teams. You I've got more AMG than Shaggin' one? wagon, oh. which is Mer- Mercedes and Aston Martin. You're
0: like my kid in fantasy football. You're like, well, one
1: of my teams is winning. <laughs> and then the, the <laughs> second one is cost and. And that's a uh, Red Bull and Hans. Oh, that's right. And then my third one is the Pelosi Tafosi. Oh, that's you. Okay. The, the now Ferrari I am an uh, Alpine.
0: I am SMB mate. Do you know where the reference <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yes. I was
1: trying to think of a way to incorporate that. I was like, oh, it'll also get flagged. That's,
0: I know. I was like, but I initially had put uh, Totos Pumpernickel, but it was taken. Somebody across the world <laughs> and somewhere. Somebody already had, had that one. Of course. I was like, I am so stupid. Of course. I did. Somebody's got Totos Pumpernickel, Pumpernickel. all day. Cool. Uh, okay. Actual race this weekend. What do you expect to happen? Uh, I I was shocked today to read a quote from George Russell that said, uh, Red Bull is is in its own league above everybody else right now. And I always wonder where guys' comments come from that. So take with that what you will because even with that – uh, we kind of heard that last year, but then Ferrari also was very, very you know competitive right off the bat, and they were actually the ones to beat, I think, off the bat. Now Red Bull seems like they're in some sort of weird atmospheric, uh, you know, picking up where they left off last year. But then he said uh, it'll be interesting because uh, th- the fight that they're going to have with Aston Martin, and I thought, yeah. wow, that's you know we're not joking about the speed that uh, that Lawrence Stroll's team has found suddenly.
1: Yeah. And all that is coming from the, the winter testing that was last week that uh, the times that Aston Martin showed over the long run, like Ferrari's still much quicker over a one lap pace than Aston Martin, but Aston Martin's maintaining their tires better. And that was the big advantage that Red Bull had last year is that Max was just able to, to um, maintain his tires longer than everybody else and keep the speed up over the long run. And that's what Aston Martin showed during the test that everyone is starting to get excited about and thinks that, uh, in a race pace they they may be the second fastest, but you had, um, Freddie Vasseur also quoted this week as saying like, you know, you don't really know what everybody has. You don't know what we have because we, you know, you don't know how much fuel, uh, somebody's running, how much weight they have on the car during those tests. And so we won't really know until the race weekend comes. And then, uh, on the Mercedes side, apparently according to George Russell, which is so funny that all, a lot of these updates about how Mercedes is doing are coming from George, <laughs> not Lewis or Toto, but George is running his mouth. And he, he said that they fixed a lot of the balance issues that, uh, they had during, uh, the race weekend. So I, I think everyone's going to come faster, uh, than they showed in testing. And hopefully that closes the gap to, to Red Bull. So, i'm i'm looking forward to it it's gonna be very interesting tomorrow and free practice and qualifying on saturday
0: uh so you had the, your teams picked i think that i i actually i don't know i get a little bit low self esteem when i start picking teams in the in the fantasy for uh our fantasy f one league that we have I feel like <laughs> a fifteen year old they go well fantasy uh, f one league so i basically went full like uh it was it, it was kind of weird I went Red Bull for the team, mm-hmm. but, like, all my drivers – I think we picked five, right? You picked five drivers per – Five drivers, yeah. Okay, so the five-driver lineup that I have are basically all the number twos, if that's appropriate to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like your che- have Checo, um, uh, Carlos – uh, I want to say I put K-Mag up there, though, because I was like, I feel, I'm feel i feeling okay about mm-hmm. – uh, I don't know why. That might be some dark horse points there somewhere. I definitely got Fernando, and now that I hear about the Aston Martin's uh, speed, I'm, like, really excited about that. And then I think I ended up picking uh, one more random one. Oh, Pierre Gasly, I think, just to see uh, if, uh, if Alpine yeah. was going to be one of those. So I don't know who's going to get it in there. And if, if you're the guy who went uh, Charles uh, – and Max and then uh Nick DeVries and uh Hulkenberg Logan, you know, <laughs> and Logan yeah. Sargent, then God bless you, but i'm uh, i'm I'm sticking with these guys that I think for the long haul will get you some of those.
1: okay, it's the third so fourth more, and fifth yeah.
0: it's the third, fourth and fifth drivers that are gonna get you those uh, those wins, I think overall.
1: yeah, that's a good strategy. I was debating on the strategy. you go he- heavy on the on the first two and then really cheap on the rest. But I like your strategy. I, I saw a stat uh, the F1 put out that uh, Fernando Alonso was the most selected driver of F1 teams in the in the fantasy across the world. And I think that that's just given the hype around uh, uh, around Aston Martin. And in the game, he's you know eight point three million a year, so he's he's on the relatively cheap side. So I don't know. It'll be fun to play this. Like you, I never really got into fantasy football. I was a I did fantasy NBA when I was in you know high school or whatever, but. This is the first time I've gotten back into fantasy sports. We'll see how it goes. All right. So, uh, who gets the win this weekend? Then uh, after
0: everything, where who's going to be on the who's going to be on the podium? And then who's going to be the uh, the guy representing the constructor uh, spraying everybody with champagne as well?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I uh, I got to say Max wins, and I think you see a Ferrari and an Aston Martin podium. Ah. So maybe we'll go. Let's go, Max Charles Fernando. And uh, and Christian Horner's up there uh, collecting the first trophy of the of, of the uh, constructor championship. I
0: think that uh, definitely it's going to be uh, Christian up there. I think it's going to be a Red Bull one three, mm. and then I'm going to throw Fernando in there for that P2, just because I think I'm going to see some uh, DNFs early in the season from Ferrari. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, kind
1: of yeah, yeah, man. Could happen. Yeah, past the, if past passes Prologue, you're probably right.
0: <laughs> uh, Dan, we're uh, I'm excited about this thing, man. We're going to uh, we're going to fire it up of course as we've done uh, it, just like we did last year. We're on our 27th episode today. Tell your friends, teach your neighbors about F1. Get them going. I've gotten uh, I've converted some folks on the uh, on the newest edition of uh of Drive to Survive, I said start with season three or so and then you'll kind of at least recognize some of these names, so uh, Dan excited about this weekend, man, we'll chat again on uh, Sunday, I think, when we start to break this thing down
1: Looking forward to it, thanks man There
0: you go, Dan Jimenez, Alex Curie. It is the F1 podcast sweeping all of the western United States and soon the world It's Mode Push, we'll see you next time, everybody